Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. We are live, and on today's episode, I interview an international speaker, best-selling author, businesswoman, elite matchmaker, sexologist, relating expert, PhD candidate, and erotic alchemist. Welcome to the winner's circle, Stephanie J. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. The goal with these conversations is to really uplift, inspire, and empower everyone listening in to move forward with greater faith and belief and trust in themselves on their hero's journey ahead. And I'm super excited to dive into your incredible hero's journey. Um, but before we do so, right here, right now, Steph J, what do you love about your personal world in this moment, in, in this time? My personal world is full of erotic magic, and I love that. What is that erotic magic? So what do I mean by that? First of all, my life is fucking magical. And uh, we'll we'll get into that, I'm sure, throughout the uh, throughout the podcast. But suffice to say that I am literally living my dreams right now in every single possible meaning of the word. And when I say erotic magic, I mean that I have used my connection to my arrows, to my erotic energy in order to create this life. And we'll go into this in more detail, I'm sure. But the the teaser is that uh, I spent much of my life in my masculine doing things the way that society told me would be lead to success. And that led me to nothing but burnout. And in the last five years, I have been on this uh, hero's journey of finding the ways that it actually does work in the way that we actually can transform our lives. And I was delighted to discover that the most effective way to do that is actually by using our sexual energy, which is amazing because it feels fucking good. <laughs> so the life life gets to be easy. And it gets to be effortless and it gets to be full of magic in every single moment of every single day where every moment gets to feel blissful, pleasurable, and divine. And that is, that's the world I've been living in for a long time now, but it has really ramped up in the last, I would say, three or four months. So it's a really exciting, exciting time in my life right now. Mm-hmm. And I would love to know how you came upon this awareness of erotic magic. What was the origin to that story? Oh my goodness. So this is a good one. So we're getting juicy. We're getting deep right off the hop. I love it. Okay. So how I came into erotic magic was, was via Tantra. And what happened for me is I was going through actually when you and I met the deepest, deepest period and darkest period of my life. I was in a really tough state where I had uh, lost everything that I had worked my entire life for up until that point. And for context of what that means, I started working when I was eight years old. I got my first job at age eight in Canada, and I had two jobs by the time I was 15. So I had been working for a very long time, consistently had multiple jobs, consistently putting myself through school and just in that hustle mode. And so I I really worked my ass off and maxed out my corporate career in the small town of Winnipeg by age, uh, really by age 29. And at that height of my career, something happened, which uh, really ripped me to my soul and caused me to renegotiate everything. And that was coming home to my dreamboat fiance, who I had built this beautiful life with in this four-story condo in downtown Winnipeg and, you know, the six-figure corporate job. And we had everything. We were the idol of everybody that knew us. And I came home from a work trip to find him overdosing on cocaine on my kitchen floor. And that set in motion a two-year period of incredible emotional manipulation, emotional abuse, lots of challenges, lots of toxic traits, not because he is a bad or a wrong human, but simply because he did not desire to heal and I needed him to heal. And that created a very unhealthy dynamic in between us that uh, developed into something that was very, very toxic. In navigating that, I slowly lost my entire friend's circle, which was quite vast. I nearly lost my job. I eventually ended up leaving my partner, lost my partner. I got estranged from a lot of my family. 
uh, all of my debt got run through the roof. So I was with a, I had a crippling amount of debt, even for somebody that was making six figures. And I was in a place where I was very, very mad at the universe, very, very mad at how is it possible that I could have played the game perfectly, perfectly. I did everything that you're supposed to do. I checked every single box, type A, overachiever, above and beyond. I was on boards of directors and winning awards and I was doing everything right. And then because one person, and this was my victim mindset at the time, but this is the space I was in, because one person couldn't keep a white powder out of their nose, I lost everything. And I was fucking mad at the world for that. And one day in my the depth of my despair and admittedly two bottles of wine in, <laughs> because that was my coping mechanism at the time, I uh, screamed, just screamed at whoever would listen, give me a different game because I'm not willing to play this game anymore. This game is rigged and I will not play it. So you bring me a better one and I promise you, I promise you, I will play it full out, but it must be a different game. And I fell asleep. And the next morning I heard a knock on my door. Now this is interesting to hear a knock on my door because nobody knew where I lived because at this point, nobody knew that I was separated from my fiance and I had been living this weird double life. But I heard a knock on my door at my apartment and uh, still a little wine drunk from the night before I stumbled to the door. And you can imagine the like disheveled makeup on the face and it's kind of like half clothed. And I opened the door and there is a woman standing there with short blonde hair who I had met a few weeks before and had a very magical night with. And she had just looked at me with this feeling of incredible love and kindness in her eyes. And she handed me a bag and said, I heard you needed this. And then she left. And I was, of course, very confused. And I opened this bag. And inside that bag was uh, my very first ever tarot deck and a book about Tantra. And that was my message from the universe that working with this energy, working with sexual energy, specifically the energy of pleasure was the next game that I was meant to play. And it changed my life, literally saved my life. And the kicker is I have not seen that woman since. She has no idea the impact that she has had on my life. Mm, wow. I don't know where to go from that. First of all, how did this woman find you? Who was she? Where did you meet her? And my curiosity wants to know. Yeah, you were there. I met her the same day I met you. Okay. Yes. Okay. I know who you're talking about. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk us about Tantra. Um, what is that? You know, it's funny because this is a great question. So many people will tell you it's so many different things. Some people think it means balance between the divine masculine and divine feminine. Some people think it means to weave. Other people say that Tantra is all about sex. My understanding of Tantra is one that is so much deeper than that. I have now, since then, since that epic day five years ago, I have been initiated into five different Tantric lineages. So I've learned the Neo-Tantra the red hat tantra, the white hat tantra, the really ancient tantra, all of the different tantras, the Osho-based tantra. I've got all of it in my system at this point. And to me, at tantra is a way of life that allows you to connect to the universal flow of, um, of your life. It allows you to open to surrender to what your life is meant to be instead of what your ego thinks it should be. And it teaches you how to harness your sexual eros pleasure energy as a means of personal alchemization and transmutation, as a way of becoming a better human, such that you're even capable of seeing the signs of the universe in the first place. So it's really pro provided this pathway for me and for those that I work with and those that I speak to and the, in the books that I write of really coming home to myself in a very real way, releasing all the dogma, releasing all the stories, releasing all the bullshit, all the inauthentic garbage that society gives us about who we're, we have to be in this world and unleashing the truth of who I came to be in this world and living in alignment with that principle in a fluid and dynamic way. 
Mm. Wow. So how does one get started um, to explore the, ta- the Tantra? So here's one thing that I will say is that Tantra, because it's it's so popular right now, there is a lot of different types of teachings. And one challenge and that I have, and it's funny because I don't, you noticed in my title, I do not call myself a Tantra teacher. I call myself an erotic alchemist, philosopher, metaphysician, lots of different things, speaker, PhD candidate, you, you listed a lot of them already. But I do not, I very intentionally do not call myself a Tantra teacher, even though I could. And the reason for that is because Tantra is just, it's so beautiful and it is in society right now perceived to be a very specific thing. And what I guide people through to live life this way is so much more vast, so much more expansive. So how can people get started? If you are genuinely interested in Tantra specifically, then I recommend finding a Tantra teacher that resonates with you. Google and Instagram are amazing for this. I don't recommend, honestly, learning Tantra from a book the way that I did. It's really an embodiment practice and you are better off to learn it directly from a teacher who is certified so or has some type of lineage. So I strongly recommend to find a person, a human in your space that is going to be able to guide you through this. I would very happily be that person for those that are listening that are like, cool, I like your flavor and I like that you swear (laughs) because I swear a lot. So you have to be fucking okay with that. Um, if that's your vibe, I'm more than happy to take people through my version of spirituality, my version of erotic alchemy. But if Tantra is what you're very specifically looking for, then I recommend finding a authentic Tantra teacher in Instagram, Google, somebody that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. So you got this, this bag and it had a Tantra book and a tarot and a tarot deck. Is, is mm-hmm. that correct? If I, re- mm-hmm. I remember that correctly. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So um, did the tarot deck have any play on in your future? Yeah. Was it okay? So let's, well, how did how did you start unravel that thread? Yeah. So, and this was for this was at the beginning of my spiritual journey. Like I was still in the world of like this shit's not real. You know how could a deck of cards tell me anything useful ever? Like this is fucking stupid. Like I was so in the if you're um for those that are listening, if you're into Ken Wilber, he has these different states and stages of consciousness. And at this point in my life, I would have been in what we would call orange, which is the scientific rational mind. Like, you know, my background is. I have a bachelor's in psychology and undergrads in organic chem, biochemistry. Like I was on either the, well, the pre-med track. And if that didn't work out, I was going to be a lawyer. So I, this gives you an idea of the scientific nature of my brain. And therefore, A, that's wonderful for those that I get to teach and get to lead. But it also made it very, very hard to accept this premise of spirituality, of things that are proven, but unproven things that you can feel, but you can't see that idea. That premise was very challenging for me to accept. And, uh, Tantra, the book that she gave me ironically was actually a book that was very textbooky. <laughs> I would never recommend it as a beginning textbook for it or to book about Tantra to anybody. But for me, it was perfect because it was very scientific. Now the tarot deck, I started to build a relationship with it because I had meant it when I said, bring me the game and I will play it full out. It was kind of like, Hey, we'll put your money where your mouth is. Right. Like I kind of took it as like challenge accepted from what I now refer to as the universe at the time. I didn't know what to call it. So I had to, I had to play with it. I had to be willing to be like, well, shit, my, like, they just called my bluff. I guess I'm going to try and figure this out. And it was uncomfortable But it was a very beautiful unfolding because what I have learned to use tarot for and how I work with my one-on-one mentorship clients as an example, and we don't use tarot as a means of uh, divination, as a means of reading the future. It can be used that way. I don't feel that that's empowering and or even in a lot of cases ethical. So what we do is we use tarot, and this is how I learned to build a relationship with it, as a means of gaining clarity in the present moment. So I started to play with it and ask questions like, what am I not seeing right now? Or um, what decisions am I struggling with? Or what, what information is yet to come? So asking questions about my present reality and how I was relating to my present reality as a means of inquiry and personal evolution. So instead of it telling me, hey, you're going to be, you know, 
don't worry, babe, I got you. If it had told me five years from now, you're going to be living in this beautiful penthouse condo in downtown Austin after having traveled the world for four years straight uh, during lockdowns and a pandemic, no less, where the rest of the world was not tr- not even allowed to leave their house. You're going to travel the world. You're going to learn about sex magic. You're going to activate a bunch of people. You're going to have a bunch of beautiful experiences. And then you're going to run a multi six figure business from downtown Austin. I would not have ever believed that. <laughs> So I'm really glad that I didn't try to to tap into the divination. Instead, it became a means of learning about myself. And so much of spirituality at the beginning of our journey is meant to be learning who you really are. I had been so conditioned that I had no idea who I was. I had no idea that this is who I was going to become or this is what I was meant to do. Speaking on stages all around the world, writing best-selling books about sex and pleasure and spirituality. I mean, I would have laughed in somebody's face. And yet, this is my true authentic expression. So the the tarot and building a relationship with the tarot allowed me to figure out where the conditioning was and what was actually mine so that I could lean into becoming more of me. Mm -hmm. So how does that look like? How do you use the tarot deck to, like, how do you use tarot cards to do that for someone not familiar with what that is? Yeah. And you can use tarot cards or you can use um, oracle cards. A lot of people, if you're completely unfamiliar, I actually recommend starting with an oracle deck. The difference being that the tarot is a 72 card deck that has very specific cards. It's actually very similar to a, a deck of playing cards. So, you know, with a deck of playing cards, you have your four suits and you have cards one through 10, and then you have your jack, queen, and your king. So the the tarot deck is like that as well, except instead of hearts and diamonds, you have the elements. So you have air, water, fire, and earth. Um, And then you have in tarot, you also have what they call a major arcana, which is literally the hero's journey in 22 additional cards. This is a very nuanced practice that does take some time to get used to, and you're going to really develop your own language. So it's something that I recommend. Again, I started there because that's just what my path was. For most people, when you're learning to trust your intuition and just like really getting started, I feel that starting with an Oracle deck is a little bit easier because they are much more descriptive. The cards will often come with, you know, one to four page write-ups of exactly what this card means, why it means that here's your next steps, here's how to integrate. And so they're much more supportive for the beginning of your journey. So for those that are brand new, I recommend finding an Oracle deck that speaks to you. There's literally hundreds. You can go into any bookstore and find one and just pick the one that feels good. What what one kind of makes you giggle? Start with that. If you want to lean then into tarot and how I use tarot is I don't do the, if you were to Google tarot, I don't do the big spreads. I don't do the Celtic cross or anything like that because I quite frankly find that it's not necessary. Again, I'm not using it for divination. I just got into the habit of, hold my cards in my hand. And this is the same thing I do with an Oracle deck, hold the cards in my hand or hold them close to my heart, breathe in, ask a question. And then I start shuffling and I just hold that question in my mind while I mindlessly shuffle and whatever cards come out in whatever order they come out is how I read them. So sometimes there's one card, sometimes there's five cards, sometimes they're upside down or right side up or whatever the case might be. If it's an Oracle deck, it's easy because one card comes out, you read the meaning and there's your answer. If it's a tarot deck, then you have to kind of do some positioning and there's additional implications if, you know, certain cards come out together. And it is just a little bit more of a a complex and nuanced uh, art form to read tarot. But the practice for me is the same. Ask the question and then wait for the card to literally fly out at you. So it's really cool. Ask the question, get your answer. Ask the question, get your answer. Makes life easy. Mm -hmm. so do you make your decisions all based on your card like your card pulls now like how does that used to I did used to yeah especially at the very beginning of my journey there was a uh I would say like a two-year span where I really felt that I couldn't trust my decision making I mean fuck my decision making basically almost ended my life right as far as I was concerned so clearly I'm incapable of making appropriate decisions that was the story that I was telling at that time when I was diagnosed with PTSD and acute anxiety and um, depression and uh, all that kind of wonderful stuff, 
which I actually, thanks to Tantra and thanks to working with the Tarot, I actually healed naturally uh, all of those diagnoses within six months to the point where the doctors were like, what, this is not even fucking possible. Like, what do you, what did you do? And I was like, I started playing with Tantra and they're like, okay, you're still crazy. Let me give you a prescription, which I obviously did not take. Um, But at that time, I really truly felt that I could not trust my my ego-based decision-making. And to be honest, I think that that was accurate. Because every decision I was making was coming from a place of my programming and of my conditioning, what my parents thought was going to be right for me, what society thought was going to be right for me, what the feminist movement thought was going to be right for me, you know, all of these things. And all the decisions I was making were based on what they told me I should want instead of what I thought I wanted, or I didn't even know what I wanted, to be honest, I had no clue. So using the tarot to make decisions, A, helped me build trust in the universe and trust in the tarot as a decision-making tool. It also helped me make decisions that weren't the decisions that I would have made had I just been making them from the brain. And this is one of the reasons I believe that my life has accelerated and transformed so quickly and has impacted so many people because I had to be willing to do things that were completely outside of the norm of the way that I was normally behaving. Because if what I was, what I was doing was going to create the life I wanted or the life I thought I could have, then I would have already had it. So I had to really take the hard medicine of the very fact that I don't like my life right now means that I am doing something wrong. It means that I am not making the right decisions. And therefore, I need help making decisions. And the tarot for me was that help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm very curious. Uh, uh, this is like a newer subject for me. And I want to like think about my listeners and um, just other parts of me. And that's like the devil's advocate. So the devil's advocate would say like, okay, well, like these are just cards. Like you're just picking like a random one. Um, it just like chance. It just luck. Yeah. What do you say? Well, what do you like? Which of course I'm sure you've heard before. What do you say to that? I mean, not only have I heard it before, but like, fuck man, that was my life. Like I was the person saying that. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I get it. I get it a hundred and a hundred percent. That was literally like when I got this, I can't describe to you the sinking feeling I got in my stomach when I was handed this, this gift from this person that was literally, Hey, I heard you need this. And it was a a tarot deck and a book about Tantra, which were like the two most triggering things you could have fucking given me at that point in my life, because I didn't believe in shit. I didn't believe in any of it. And I, but I had said to the universe or what, like I said, what I now call universe I had said out loud and screamed into the world, give me the game and I will, I promise you I'll play it. Well, fuck that was the game showed up. So I had to learn how to play it. And I had to learn to build a relationship with it. Now to answer your question more directly, we know from quantum physics. Okay. So this is a scientific principle. This is not woo woo. This is not spiritual. This is science. We know from quantum physics that everything is energy. And because everything is energy, everything is connected. Therefore, there is no actual such thing as coincidence. There cannot be because everything is interconnected. So we might not rationally understand why one card falls and another card doesn't, or why a friend bumps into us or doesn't, or why the phone rings at the exact time that it rings, or why we see the number 222 on the road. We might not know the reasons why that happens from our relatively small and um, insignificant 3D uh, brain processing power. But the fact that it happens is significant. Everything that happens is significant. The paradox there is that also, therefore, none of it is significant, but that's a conversation for another day. So for the purpose of this is to understand that we, because of science proving the quantum field, we know there's no such thing as a coincidence. Everything is significant. And therefore, that gave me, as the sciencey human that I am, that gave me a scientific reason to trust the cards and to lean in. And then the second thing is I, I always say I am not the type of person that's like, hey, I'm the guru. Just believe me because I said so. Like, that is not what I'm available for. Prove it to yourself. That's what I had to do. I didn't have anyone in the spiritual community guiding me. Everyone thought I was fucking banana pants, honestly. I felt like I was banana pants. 
I had to prove it to myself. And the way I proved it to myself was just giving it a chance. How do you build trust with a friend? You build trust with a friend by slowly leaning into your edges. Same with a partner, right? You get to know them over time. You ask them questions. You feel their energy. You're really building a relationship with the cards and you're learning for yourself. And this is one of the practices that I take people through at the very beginning of my Sexual Empowerment Academy, more with working with their sexual energy than working with the tarot. But I teach them to learn how to prove it to themselves. So do a little experiment and then look for the results. It's a very scientific process because my brain is a, is a brain that loves science. It loves evidence. I am not the, I'm not the woo-woo spiritual teacher that's like, oh, just believe in the divine because you can. Like, no, I want fucking hard facts. Prove it, bitch. So I proved mm -hmm. it to myself. And I'm here to help okay. others do the same. Amazing. Well, let's have a fun with a deck. I don't know if this is an Oracle deck or not. I just had a deck on behind me. It's uh, Michael Singer's Untethered Soul. How many cards card are in deck. it? 52, 52 card deck. So that's an Oracle that an deck. Oracle? Okay, so I was when we were chatting there, I was just shuffling and like one popped I saw up. That. And I didn't look at it. And we're, we're going to just like read it and then we'll just talk about that. It'll just be a little like... Little let's do it, back. baby. I'm here for I'm it. Just, okay, so um, it says... Fortunately, deep within us, there is a direct connection to the divine. <laughs> what does that mean to you? <laughs> oh, God, that's great. So I'll so, say that again. Read fortunately, it again. Fortunately, deep within us, there is a direct connection to the divine. Yeah. So I love that because that's basically what I was just saying. That is the science, that is the spiritual way of saying everything is connected. Fortunately, everything is connected to the divine. That that is a spiritual phrasing that that is um evidence of the quantum field right there. Like it it's actually that's a great cosmic joke from the universe. Like <laughs> this is what I mean. You build the trust. Like of all the 52 cards in the deck, what are the chances that while I was talking about everything being interconnected and the quantum field and how everything is energy, so there's no such thing as coincidence, you pull a card that is literally saying, fortunately, everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Like if you, I, yeah, well, the divine so, is everything. Yeah. Um, so from what you've learned so far, what is the defined? That's a great question. And the way that I use the divine is a way of describing like source or some people might use the word God. I don't personally resonate with the word God. I was raised Roman Catholic. So I was raised in that, in that lineage. I don't resonate with the word God, but there is. So when we talk about energetics, uh, there is a masculine polarity, which we would call like the sky. Or if we look at Tantra, this would be Shiva the masculine polarity, the masculine energy. It's literally just energy. And then we have the feminine energy, which is earth, Gaia, mother earth, right? And this is where the father, the old man in the sky from Catholicism and Christianity comes from, because there is literally a masculine energy that we have above us and a feminine receptive energy that we have below us. Now, when I say the divine what I mean is the cosmic forces that are at play that are at a higher level of consciousness than I am. So the people, people, I'm going to use the word people really loosely right here. And in fact, it's actually an incorrect word. The beings, the energetic frequencies that have a higher perspective than I do. Uh, that's when I say the divine, that is what I mean as a collective force. Now, this is going to bring up a lot of questions about that. I can already feel them. So I'm happy to dive into that with you. Most people, when they say the divine, they mean some variation of God. For me, I mean everything that is higher than me, that has a larger perspective than I do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how did this higher perspective guide you in your transition from receiving that bag, delving into the books, delving into the tarot, yeah. um, and then stepping into the unknown world and what was that unknown world because you had this job you had this relationship and then you left the relationship last week picked up uh, I think you still had the job so how did that how did you leave the job and how did you step into the unknown and 
continue to trust in that divine? Ooh, okay. So I feel like there was two questions there. So I'm going to ans- answer the first one that I heard, which is how does the divine actually like interact with you? And then I will, yeah. and then I will answer how did I interact with it and how did I learn to trust yeah. it and, and make those decisions? Okay, great. I have an amazing analogy for you. Have you seen Hunger Games? No, I don't think you so. Haven't? I don't think so. I you haven't seen the Hunger Games? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Perhaps the first one. Okay. Well, you only need to have seen the first one. That's fine. And I guarantee you that 98% of your listeners, listeners, if you haven't seen the Hunger Games, you need to message me on Instagram at Stephanie J and say, what the fuck? I have not seen the Hunger Games. This analogy does not work because if you haven't seen the movie, it, it doesn't work. And I'm on the premise that everyone on the planet has seen Hunger Games. So I'll think of a new analogy if enough of you message me saying I have not heard of this. Um, so that's Instagram at Stephanie J. I'm going to go on the premise that most people have seen Hunger Games. So imagine now you're in the Hunger Games. You have Katniss, you have all her different Pita and all her different characters. They're in the tournament, right? Their perspective is on the ground with all the trees and the deadly shit and the sun and the heat and the water and all the people trying to kill them, right? They're in it completely and totally. That is their lived experience. And then you have the game master and you have, he has that big tournament view, right? So then they go into this really cool room that looks not dissimilar from this view actually. And he's got a big table in front of him with the blue uh, hologram. And he can see where all of the different players are on the board. And he can see kind of where they're going and kind of where they're not going. He can see the edges of the bounds. And the game master knows, he knows where he wants his players to go. He knows that he wants Katniss to go in a certain direction that's going to be either easeful or uneaseful for her. It's going to teach her something. Maybe she'll die because he's an evil game master. So he's trying to kill her, obviously. But um there's not, we're not trying to die, obviously, in the real world. But for the purpose of this example, you have a game master who is not only able to have a higher perspective and a higher awareness of the total blueprint and the overall goal than Katniss has, but he also has the capability of manipulating the field to a certain degree to ensure that she is likely to move in a way that he expects her to. So for example, she's getting too close to the edge of of the tournament ring. Okay, well now we're gonna, you know, we'll just have some rabid dogs pop up over here. Oh, she's getting too close to this other group of people that are likely to kill her. Okay, let's do a swarm of uh, tracker jacks or whatever they're called, the things that make you go crazy when they sting you, right? So he's able to literally manipulate the field based on his higher perspective to influence the way that she is going to move. Now, the interesting thing here is that she has free will. So she gets to choose based on the manipulation he has created, what she does with that information, right? He sends the rabid dogs. She could run away. She could go up a tree. She could uh, shoot them with a bow and arrow. She could try and fight them. She could hide. She could run into some water, right? So Katniss is this in this example of, oh my gosh, dogs are chasing me. My free will says I'm going to go this way. And the, the game master is above saying, okay, I need Katniss to move here. I'm going to unleash these rabid dogs in this perspective. And hopefully she chooses to do this, but she still has free will and she might choose something different. And you can imagine then the game master, and he's done this in the movie. Oh, fuck. That's not what I expected her to do. Shit. Now we have to like, we have to recalibrate. This is exactly how, like literally exactly how your 4D or your higher self, you can call it your holy guardian angel, you can call it your spirit guide, you can call it your higher self, you can call it your 4D persona, the big you, the energetic field that is not your 3D, this is how it interacts with you. It has ability to see the whole game board, it has the ability to see all of the different pieces, it has your blueprint, and it knows that you're likely to react to certain things in certain ways, and it can control to a certain degree, it can manipulate the field. It cannot choose for you. So when we're talking about the woman who came to my door and brought me a book about Tantra and a deck of tarot cards, that was him manipulating him, her, whatever. That was the game master manipulating the field such that she was likely to bring me those things. She brought them and then I received them, but it was still my free will 
to choose to lean into it. I very easily could have like thrown them out, burned them, gone and bought another three bottles of wine. Like there's a million different things that I, because of my free will could have chosen to do with that book. I chose to make it mean that there was more to life because quite frankly, that was the only choice I had. I would have been on a path of of being of suicidal ideation if I hadn't chosen that to be quite frank with you. And this is the level of despair that I was in. So I recognize that this was a gift. I chose to see it as a gift and I chose to lean into it and make it part of my life's work. So that's how the 4D works and how the 4D and the 3D interact. Now from my 3D, my Katniss perspective, I how did I use that to correlate with the 4D? And this is how creating connection with my 4D and learning to recognize when those signs and symbols are coming up is literally one of the reasons why my life has transformed so quickly because I've stopped resisting the signs from the universe, the signs from my higher self. Instead, I see them and I know when to lean in because again, I've built that relationship with myself from just relentlessly trusting. And what that looked like was applying at one point, applying for a different job. I just kept getting this hit. I just, I kept, you know, I'd have dreams about it. I'd have this awareness, like get a new job, get a new job, get a new job. And so one day uh, somebody messaged me on LinkedIn and I was like, okay, cool. Let's do an application. Got the new job that nearly doubled my salary, which was already quite high. So that was very, very helpful, obviously. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. This this shit works, right? Like I had been getting that hit to like apply for a new job and it had, I tried and look at how I was rewarded. I had another really big one come up that was, you need to get rid of your condo. Now, this was a very triggering one that I did not like because I had just moved into it four months prior. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was downtown. It was this gorgeous two bedroom, huge windows. I was so in love with it and so proud to have it. And so four months later, to be getting the hit from the universe, again, you, it's time to let go. You got to get rid of this apartment. Not only do you have to get rid of this apartment, but you have to get rid of 98% of everything you own. And we're not going to tell you why. So you can imagine that was a really uncomfortable one to listen to. I didn't really like that one very much. That was in September of 2019. That, and this was about a year into my spiritual journey, into a year into building a relationship with, with the divine in this way. And that was the hardest one it had ever given me, September of 2019. In no, I made the decision to give my notice in. So I gave my four months notice so that I would be moving out in February of 2020. Two months later, I met who became not only my partner at the time, but also my business partner. And this business partner had a vision of traveling the world and teaching spiritual teachings all over the world. And so we got together in November. We started a retreat business that November, launched it, sold it out within six weeks. And in February of 2020, we I quit my corporate job. I got rid of the apartment that I had had the intuition to get rid of three months prior. So thank goodness I had listened. And while we were in retreat with our wonderful group of 16 retreat attendees who flew to Costa Rica with us, lockdowns happened. And had I not gotten rid of my apartment at that time, I would have been trapped in Canada paying for an apartment that I wasn't living in. And that was a beautiful piece, again, of confirmation for me. Because I had listened in September when I didn't want to, when I didn't like it, when my ego kicked a fit, I knew it to be true and I listened anyways. And because of that, I was able to travel the world for four years while everybody else was in lockdown and quit my corporate job and launch what is now the business that I have, the multi six figure business that I run now, which impacts the world. All of that came literally pivotal point was listening when I was told you have to get rid of your apartment. So it's not always about listening. And this is actually the premise of um, my second book, the chapter that I have in my second book, Women Gone Wild, the Intuition Edition, where I speak about my relationship with my intuition. So I actually go very deep into this. And the premise that I share in that portion, my portion of the book is around, it's not just about listening when it's convenient. It's not just about listening when you like what it's telling you. 
because it is always in your best interest to listen, but your ego isn't always going to like it. My ego did not like it when intuition told me three years later that it was time to leave the partner that changed my life. My intuition, my ego didn't like it when my intuition told me, hey, it's time for me to leave this beautiful apartment that you manifested and the city that has all of your friends. And it's time to go back to Canada because your father's about to die. These are all intuitive hits that I also received that I followed that ended up being entirely accurate and putting my path on this, my life on this beautiful path of progression. And I didn't like a single fucking one of them. So it's important to recognize that when you're building this relationship with your intuition and you're starting to hear these whispers or hear these knowings because they come to everybody in a different way, you have to be willing to just try, take baby steps, try to build the trust, prove it to yourself, but know that it is not always going to feel good. Your ego is not always going to like it, but it will always be in service for you. Yeah. How do you differentiate between the ego and intuition? Hmm. Great question. I love the ego, first of all. And this is something that I think is super, super important for people to understand because when you start, if you're very new on your spiritual journey, everyone is idolizing this premise of the ego death. I killed my ego. I have no ego. You know, I've had this ego death, blah, 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 blah. Um, It is literally blah, 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 blah. If you are a human being on this planet, there's a 99.9999999999% chance that you have an ego. I don't care how much ayahuasca you've done. I don't care how much LSD you've done. I don't care how many meditation retreats you've been to. Why can I say that with absolute confidence? Because the ego's job is to keep you in this 3D body. It is to make sure that you don't do something stupid that is going to get you killed. This is the ego. It is an operating system of patterns and beliefs and identities that will encourage you to act in a way that is going to keep you alive. This is a very good thing. We don't want to get rid of that. The ego makes sure that we eat when our body tells us we're hungry, that we sleep when our body tells us we're tired, that we look both ways when we cross the street, that we don't jump out of a balcony window to see if we can fly right? It's keeping us here in this body. That's its job. Now, the reason we get into a little bit of trouble with the ego sometimes and where we need to renegotiate our relationship with it is that we live in a society right now that is designed to keep us as cogs in a system. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is this society would not function if we weren't all kind of working in the way that we were and and dealing with these certain patterns. And, you know, we go to work every single day and we pay our bills and, you know, we're a good human to society. We respect each other. These things are important. Our society would not function without that. And it's time for this society to evolve to a higher level of consciousness, which means there's a lot of us that are being born right now and that are growing up right now that are meant to not follow the rules of society in some capacity or another. Generally speaking, anybody that hears my voice, if you are listening to me right now, you can assume that you are one of those people. Why? Because you wouldn't be listening to this otherwise. Again, there's no coincidences. So if you are hearing my voice saying these words right now, then you are one of those people that is here to live an unconventional life in some way, shape, or form that is here to have a different experience and to break down some of those barriers. This is a challenge because now you're encouraged to live in a way that is directly opposing of what your ego thinks is required for you to stay safe. For example, your ego is going to want you to always get along with all the people that are around you. Because when we evolved as tribal creatures, if you didn't get along with your tribe and you got kicked out, you would die. Right? So social cohesion is very important. Now, if you have a social circle that is highly religious, highly conservative, just very stuck in their ways, that's going to be restrictive to your growth. And so your ego is going to tell you to stay small. Your ego is also not going to want you to do things that are going to have any type of inherent financial or potential um, social risk. So quitting your six-figure corporate job so you could travel the world with somebody you just met for four years, that's a lot of risk, (laughs) right? Your ego is not going to like that. 
getting rid of this two bedroom apartment that I just manifested and I loved and I was so attached to because I made it mean something about me that I was able to have this beautiful apartment. My ego is not going to like that. So it's important to recognize that the ego is an amazing protector. It is an amazing co-pilot. It is not meant to be the pilot. It is not meant to be the driver of the bus. You get to be the driver of the bus, but he is there to guide you in hopefully in the backseat. Mm-hmm. Where does fear come into this story? Yeah. Ego is going to create fear when it wants you to have some type of strong reaction. So fear is either a motivator to move towards or against something, right? And we can look at the, the trauma responses of fight, uh, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, right? Fear is going to put you into one of those four stations so that you can respond to your environment accordingly. And specifically for the, again, the purpose of survival. So if you're in a situation where fear comes up and you go into fight, it's so that you can protect yourself. If you go into flight, it's so you can run the fuck away so you don't get eaten by a tiger, right? So ego really uses fear as a primary driver because it's effective. It gets your adrenaline and your cortisol running, and it really motivates you to move in whatever direction that your ego needs you to move in in order for you to stay alive. Mm-hmm. This is all very interesting. As I hear your story, I see um, a parallel of sports um, in terms of you leaving a relationship when you're in Winnipeg, leaving a career, leaving a condo, a dream place, and then your more recent um, your more recent story where you were in Thailand, had like a dream spot in there. You were doing really well with your career. You were in that relationship for four years and then that all ended the relationship ended you left thailand and you've changed jobs um so there's a i see a really mirroring there so yeah let's talk about that yeah and that's a beautiful parallel thank you for drawing it and it is absolutely accurate um i think that we get really attached as humans we get very attached to this idea of forever and this idea of longevity and stability and all of these are are false narratives. None of those things actually exist. There's no such thing as stability. I really hope that you know our our time in lockdown taught us that you have no idea what your life is going to look like tomorrow, <laughs> no matter what. And I see relationships, and this is something I teach a lot again in my sexual empowerment academy and with my one on one clients and my one on one mentorship students, is that there is a lot to be learned from a relationship. And most relationships are actually not meant to be, quote unquote, forever. They might be long term, they might be 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but they're not necessarily meant to be forever. Most of us, especially those of us, again, if you are listening to my voice right now, this applies to you. Most of us are here to grow very rapidly and to evolve very quickly because the medicine that we are bringing this planet to assist the evolution of consciousness requires that we grow in rapid fashion away from the human societal constructs that we've been raised in. This means that we are going to have individuals, situations, jobs, and ideas come into our world that are designed to help us grow, that are lessons, but that are not forever. So I really see the last four years from the beginning of my spiritual journey up until this point where I'm at right now as basically my spirituality PhD. I was with, I was living with somebody that, and and in relationship with somebody that was much more educated than I was at the time that had spent much more time in spirituality. And as a result, I got a, you know, an unofficial PhD in spirituality. I'm now working on an official one, but at the time I'll call that an unofficial PhD in spirituality. I was able to go so deep, so fast because we left, we literally left everything behind. I left all the things that could have potentially slowed me down or held me back. I left my family behind. I left my friends behind. I left my job, everything, and went into this cocoon of metamorphosis in much the same way somebody might go to college. And this transformation occurred for me. And as soon as that cocoon was complete, that transformation was complete. Well, the cocoon's not needed anymore. And in fact, it's damaging. It's not helpful and it gets in the way. 
And this was really what started to happen for me in August of this year was recognizing, oh, this is actually, you know, I'm a butterfly now. I have wings and he, he is well, like we grew together. He has also expanded in really beautiful ways. Both of us came out of our cocoon, came out of our shell and said, oh, this shell, this relationship, this shell, it doesn't serve us anymore. We actually don't need this. And in fact, it's actually holding us both back. So it's time to let that go. As much as we do love each other, as much as we are still amazing, incredible friends, and we are very supportive of each other, that shell of the relationship was a dead weight for both of us. And it was time to let it go. And so he actually moved back to Canada and I tuned into my Eros, my erotic energy. And I sat with, where do I need to be next? And the message came through very strong and clear that I am meant to live in Austin next. And that is where I landed. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about letting go. Easier said than done. What have you learned about letting go? How does one do so? Mm-hmm. So first of all, simple, but not easy. Everything in life, simple, just let go. Not easy. I have... I'm very proud to say that I feel I have developed a very, very strong ability to let go of the things that do not serve me, to let go of the things that are weighing me down. Part of that is a relentless commitment to becoming the best version of myself. That is my number one priority in this lifetime. Everything else is secondary. That doesn't mean that I'm a selfish person. It doesn't mean that I put myself above others. In fact, quite the opposite, because I'm focusing on being the best version of myself for others. But it does mean that I have developed this relentless commitment to the second I realize that something is in the way of this evolution for myself and therefore the people in my life, including my clients, my students, those that I speak to on stage, those that read my book or hear my voice on a podcast, it's simply not worth the cost. Holding on to that thing is simply not worth the cost because I know it's going to cost something very major on the impact perspective, on the mission that I have on this planet of erotic empowerment. And my mission for me is worth everything. So for me, it's become very easy. Just is it mission or is it this? It's always mission. Always, always, always. Now that's my life. That is not necessarily the way that everybody else chooses to live. So how do you learn to let go? A lot of this is nervous system regulation. A lot of it is learning to catch the stories of attachment in the brain, right? Let's talk about leaving a relationship. There's so many stories around whether or not I will ever find somebody else that is as good or equivalent or at all, whether or not I'll be able to make it on my own, whether or not I'll be able to survive on my own, whether what my parents are going to say, what my friends are going to say, who that person's going to end up sleeping with. Maybe they end up with someone that's better than me. All of these stories circulate through the brain and they cause an emotional reaction in the body. And this is why breakups are hard because we, we journey all of this gunk, all of these stories that are in the mind. And so what's important to recognize is a, they're just stories. They're not real. And B, even if they were real, let's just have a reality check. You are not going to die. Even if your ex-girlfriend does end up with a hotter boyfriend who makes more money or treats her better or whatever, you're not going to die. Even if your parents are a little bit pissed off that you left the boyfriend that you, or in my case, your parents are a little pissed off that you left the fiance when the wedding was already mostly paid for and couldn't get refunded. Well, guess what? Nobody died. So going back to our earlier conversation about fear, the reason we can't let go is because of fear. And actually because of the fear of feeling fear, if we want to get really meta about it. And as you recall, fear is simply the ego saying, hey, you're doing something that might threaten your survival. And one of the very first things I did in my spiritual journey is develop this relationship with fear that said, feel the fear and do it anyways. Because if I'm doing something that's different than what my ego wants me to do, that means I'm doing something different. And that's a good thing. So instead of fear, mm-hmm. meaning stop, I turned fear to mean lean in. And that allowed me, has allowed me to start to navigate that letting go relationship. Because when I fear these stories or I fear a decision or I fear something that's uncomfortable, I can say, hey, listen, ego, 
thank you so much. I built a very good relationship with my ego. I'm not mean to it. I have great conversations with my ego. Thank you, ego, for keeping me safe. I appreciate that you care about me. And nobody's going to die if I make this decision. So I'm going to choose to make it anyways. And it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's important is um, healing. Um, that's something that came up in that first relationship we talked to. He wasn't ready to heal. Um, mm-hmm. You needed him to heal. Mm-hmm. So you just chose to heal yourself. How does Correct. one heal? That's a lifelong journey, baby. <laughs> Consistently choosing to lean into your edges is the easiest way. And this is this is going to be different for everybody, right? Because are you healing from addiction? Are you healing from, in my case, um, unworthiness and having a partner that would choose me over cocaine, right? Are you healing from societal conditioning? Are you healing from sexual trauma? Are you healing from abusive parents? Like, are you healing from cancer, right? There's a lot of different kinds of healing. At the end of the day, though, the unified answer will always be continue to expand your comfort zone, continue to do things that are uncomfortable and unordinary for you, and your system will naturally start to heal. Now, if you want to add a little fuel to that, that is when we can start working with your sexual energy. And this is why I am so passionate about sexual energy specifically. And this is why I call myself the erotic alchemist, erotic being to work with sexual energy and alchemy being literally the process of turning lead. So your dense, unhealed self into gold, your enlightened Mm. self, right? Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, can you define what sexual energy is? Because I just feel like... um what comes to like my mind and like what a lot of people are saying is like like the actual like sex but like i don't think that's i don't know if that's what you mean and when i say sexual energy that is exactly what i mean the energy of the what what are you feeling when you're turned on not necessarily having sex but when you're turned on what's that feeling inside your body uh that you could do anything that's your sexual energy. That feeling of turned on is, is what most people will relate to their sexual energy when they start. So not necessarily being in the act of intercourse, but feeling that that pulsing, that vibration that feels just so good and so delicious and a little bit uncomfortable and fidgety. Like I've got to do something with this, right? Nobody likes to just sit around and be like, oh, I'm just horny and I'm just going to sit in it right? It's a motivational energy. It's an evolutionary energy. It forces you to move. When you're horny, you do something about it. Even if that something is you go have a cold shower so you can get rid of it, but you do something with that energy. This is the beginning of starting to work with that. So when you're using that energy of, we can even call it arousal energy, if you prefer, when we're using that energy and we're learning how to activate that and how to grow it through the body, through self-pleasure practices. I do also teach partnered sex magic and partnered tantric and Taoist principles. But for right now, as a beginning step, working with that energy of arousal is very powerful because that energy is by nature an evolutionary energy. It will lightning bolt through your body like lightning in in a bottle and it will literally melt away so much of your trauma so much of your challenges, so much of your unworthiness. This is what it did for me. This is how I healed complex post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, acute anxiety disorder, things that I was supposed to be on prescription pills for, for the rest of my life. I healed naturally in six months. And all of that came from me working with cultivating this feeling of arousal, which I now call sexual energy in the body and letting it just do the healing for me. Mm-hmm. And using this energy for means other than sex, like, so using it for business, using it for like, what, like, I don't know, whatever you wish, I guess. Yeah, you can use it for literally anything you want. Absolutely. So my third book that's going to be coming out uh, in fall of 2024 is all about orgasmic manifestation and literally using these tools to completely transform your life and manifest the reality that you're looking for. So that's going to be great. Between now and then, the Sexual Empowerment Academy is a great place for people to learn how to work with the sexual energy. I will add the caveat, 
that sexual energy is very, very, very powerful. It will change everything in your life. It will absolutely heal you. And it works very quickly. So not everybody's always ready for that, which is why my sexual empowerment Academy is a primarily live container. It does have pre-recorded components, but you're actively held by me through the entire journey because I need to know if you are having something come up that you feel that you're unprepared to handle or that you're not really sure how to navigate. I've seen it all. I've literally worked with thousands of people through this container at this point. So it's very easy for me to say, oh, here's the thing that you need to work on, or here's the thing you need to work on. Now, if that is of interest, you can find me at, uh, at Stephanie J on Instagram, as I mentioned, the other thing that I will say is again, as I've started this conversation, don't just trust me, prove it to yourself. So, uh, you can go to my website or I can give you the link, Derek, or you can hit me up on Instagram, um, to do a free meditation. And it is a pleasure alchemy meditation. It will give you a taste of what it is like. Just put your headphones on and follow the directions. It's 20 minutes long. It's a lot of fun. It's unlike any other meditation you've ever done. And it will give you a taste of what's possible. So I encourage you to give this meditation a listen, ideally once a day for, you know, seven to 10 days so that you have a good sample size and then start to notice how you feel different, how your business is different, how your decision-making is different how the way that people respond to you is different, how even your digestion and your sleep patterns and your skin are different because it will change everything. You just need to be looking for it and you need to actually try. So I recommend mm -hmm. that as a really great first step. Yeah, and they can find that on your website, stephaniej.com, J-A-I-E, and the same tag on Instagram. Yep. Um, to close every conversation, I ask a few questions. We're at the point. And here we go through it all, through the highs and lows. That is this hero's journey. That is this life experience. What do you feel has been the greatest life lesson you've learned on your path that you feel in this moment most true to you? Trusting myself. How do you, how, how does one trust themselves more? How does one uh, surrender into that? How does one lean into that? What have you learned about that process? practice. So same thing. You've just got to be willing to try it. Hear the, hear the whisper and be willing to make the unpopular decision and then see what happens. Are just building that relationship over and over and over and over and over again? It takes time. It takes diligence and it is so fucking worth it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what do you do with the what ifs? Like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Great question. I hold that in my mind because it could happen. That's the ego being, it's trying to protect you again, right? The ego is trying to say like, well, Hey, what if you, what if you can't make rent? What if you get locked into a different country? What if nobody ever loves you? What if, what if, what if, right? And I say the same thing every single time. Thank you ego for trying to keep me safe. And I'm choosing to believe there's something better in store for me. And invariably Beautiful. there always is. Beautiful. In three words, how you describe the experience you were having on this earth. So it could just be three separate words. Um, you can elaborate on them if you wish or not. Erotic, luxurious, and free. Erotic, luxurious, and free. What does free mean to you? Free means freedom to be, do, and have everything that I want on this planet. To express myself in the way that feels authentic to me and to you know, break down a little bit of societal conditioning for the rest of the planet. What gets in the way of your freedom? Mm, my ego. <laughs> and we know what to do with that. Yes, we do. We talked about that. All right, final question. We've examined your past, your present. Let's travel into the future. Let's travel into the future alongside an 85-year-old Stephanie J. Who is that woman? Where are you? Who are you surrounded by? What is the legacy you've left here in your 85 years? And what is the predominant feeling in your being? Hmm, the predominant feeling in my being is a mixture of um, sexual activation, so arousal and bliss. I am surrounded by hundreds of people who I love very dearly. I have set up communities of erotic empowerment, physical locations all around the world. I have a product line of metaphysical tools that has helped people find uh, magic to be more accessible. I have a fashion line. I have at least 10 best-selling books. 
And I have meaningfully, meaningfully, meaningfully changed the way that humans relate to their sexuality, which has had the beautiful trickle effect of reducing the amount of sexual crime on this planet. Mm. Wow, that's so special. I want you to stay with that 85-year-old one moment longer. If you just want to close your eyes and just connect with your breath, however that feels best to you. And I want you to step into those feelings, those feelings of sexual activation, arousal, bliss, the community around you, legacy left by um, your social impact on the world, um, your books, your communities, the education you serve. And I'm going to bring us back to the present. And in the present, that 85-year-old woman, she whispers in your ear a message. What does she share to you? Keep going. Hmm keep going we're doing it this is it thank you so much thank you so much stephanie it's been a pleasure and honor to connect on this call learn more about your hero's journey i'm definitely feeling more uplifted inspired and empowered which is the goal of these conversations any last closing words from yourself your pleasure is your power beautiful to close every conversation we bring our fist in to the winner's circle boom a choice Digital fist bump. Thank you so much. And that is a wrap on today's call. Your pleasure is your power.